Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Monday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming with you at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. I'm Richard Cross, alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. That is a place that we will be one week from today. That is how we will celebrate Game week. We have a pseudo game week this week with some uh, some contests. Football is back. That will be fielded starting Saturday. Don't you call it a pseudo game week? This is college football. We're back. Football is officially back. We have survived the off season and a shorter one than than, than what we've been used to the last couple, or a longer one than what we've been used to the last couple of years. Yeah, we survived it. There's a heat dome or whatever going on, and here we sit without a weekend. Or every weekend moving forward until the middle of February, we'll have real, live, meaningful tackle football. That's right. Don't you don't you minimize it? It's beautiful. What a week this is. It is a pseudo game week. Because we have a very limited number of games this weekend. But, but, we do have games this weekend that count toward the win-loss total from, from the season. They are not exhibition games like we are being subjected to from the National Football League. It is the real deal starting this week. We would love for you to be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line. 601 879 Four three nine five. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone that your kids want with easy to use parental controls for you. It's just thirty dollars a month with auto pay. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire customer inspired. Here is your slate for week zero, which is five days away. It gets started at are these central times, Borky? Yeah, this is us. All right, Central Time. 1.30, Saturday afternoon on NBC, Navy and Notre Dame from Dublin, Ireland. At 4.30 on CBS Network, you get UTEP and Jacksonville State. 
At 6 on ESPN, you get UMass and New Mexico State. At 6 on FS1, Ohio and San Diego State. At 6.30 Saturday night on the SEC Network with Taylor Zarzer and Matt Stinchcomb and Alyssa Lang, you get Hawaii and Vanderbilt. This is the return trip. Vandy went to the islands last year. Hawaii comes to Nashville this season. At 7 o'clock on Pac-12, wait. Yeah, that's what it says. All it says is Pac-12 for the television listing. So I don't know what that is. I just know what it said it is. <laughs> at 7 o'clock on Pac-12 Networks, you get San Jose State at Southern Cal. And finally, to wrap it up on Saturday at 8 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, you get FIU at Louisiana Tech. Ohio, San Diego State could be a little something there. I mean, seriously, though, the, you're right. This isn't something that you've got to like plan your day around. Mm-hmm. But, man, I, I really cannot wait to wake up. I'm going to take the little guy to the park or something early because it's still 120 degrees here. So early before the sun comes up, wear his little butt out, take him to lunch, put him down for hopefully a long nap, and put on Notre Dame Navy and just bask in the glory of that game for three hours, even if the game isn't even really that good. Just to to sit back and just appreciate what is going on in front of me couldn't care less if it's a bad slate or not. Yeah, so to me, the two that stand out, hey, Dad, are, are one that Borky mentioned. I think the scenes will be incredible from Dublin. I mean, mm-hmm. they're expecting like 40,000 Notre Dame fans to be there. And so it's yeah. going to be a packed house, and it'll look great. So that one at one thirty grabs my attention. I would actually be interested in tuning into a little bit of San Jose State and Southern Cal, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to find that. I'll be able to tell you, but that's the Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, uh, but Hawaii Vanderbilt's the other one, and it's it's because yeah. Vanderbilt is a team from the SEC, and if you tell me there's an SEC team that is playing uh, in Week Zero, I want to tune in and watch. And also, I've got Vanderbilt next Saturday anyway, so I need to tune in and uh, and watch for that. A little bit of homework to uh, to do is get ready for ah. for week two for Vanderbilt, which is week one that was for a, everybody else. That was a surprising game last year. You know, we, we were like, ah, Vanderbilt, they're not going to be very good. We'll see what happens. And then they just went over there and blew Hawaii off the field, and you were like, okay, maybe this is going to be an improved team. So we'll see what they do this year and, in Nashville. If they blow them out again, it was. And so we'll see what happens with them this year. We'll see if they look a little bit, you know, how functional they look uh, week zero and take that into the season. You have Notre Dame as a almost three-touchdown favorite. Twenty-and-a-half points, the favorite over Notre Dame. Life after Ken Niamatololo yes, as, that is, uh, as well. Yeah, that's the, mm. the start of a new era, but also a new offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Year two for Marcus Freeman. It's an important year for him. He's recruiting really well, but the the results a year ago weren't exactly um, acceptable for a place like that. I'm doing this completely off the top of my head. I feel like Vanderbilt was a two-touchdown favorite last year. It was a small line, yeah. Against Hawaii. 14-point favorite, seven-point favorite, something like that? Feels right, yeah. This year, Vandy is a 17-point favorite at home. Ooh, still love that. Um, 
Hawaii must be desperate for money. I know they're building like a brand new stadium and all the stuff around it. Maybe they need it. Have you seen their schedule? They're in Nashville. They are hosting Stanford. And then two weeks later, they're in Eugene, Oregon. They're playing an SEC team and two Pac-12 teams in their three of their first four weeks. Ooh. <laughs> what are you doing? Ooh. Poor poor Timmy Chang over there is trying to build a program. Yeah. <laughs> and you go to Oregon after you go to an SEC team and Stanford's coming to your uh, place. Good luck, coach. That could be 10-2. They're probably not going to win those two games, but the rest of them are winnable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a hot Hawaii team that looked inept a year ago. Yeah, they really did. At, at least at the beginning of the season. Well, because you remember what happened, right? So well, they were playing in like a local high school stadium. Well, that yeah, because their stadium got condemned. But um, Todd Grantham, right, was the the head coach there. He was at Arizona right. State, and no, no, Todd Grantham's Todd the defensive what line Todd coach. Graham. Todd Graham. Todd Grantham's Todd now Graham. the defensive line coach for the Saints. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Former MSU defensive coordinator. Yeah. I knew that happened, and I still, during the preseason game, was like, oh, there's Todd Grantham. Like, completely forgot. That hit me like a, a car. Just, wait, I forgot that's what he's doing now. But um, yeah, that, that ran the culture there in, into the ground so bad where, what, they had, I think, what was it, like 50 players were in the transfer portal uh, before yeah. Chang took over, yeah, something like that. And there was a mass exodus there, and so he had to, I mean, he's really having to rebuild from the ground up like they're literally having to do to their stadium as well. So Vanderbilt scored 63. They beat beat Hawaii 63-10 to 10 in Honolulu last year. Uh, Hawaii started – in fact, Vanderbilt beat Hawaii worse than number four Michigan beat Hawaii in week three. That was only 56-10. to 10. They beat Duquesne in week four. Eh, okay. They got a win against Nevada on October 15th, and they beat UNLV in the next to last week of the regular season. So they were they were 3-10 and overall, but they did get better as the season went along, and they played some games that were a little bit closer. I'll be interested to see if this is competitive on Saturday night in Nashville. Do you think there's anything that we can read into Vanderbilt? Based on the result of this game, assuming assuming it's a win. Now, if it's a loss to Hawaii, I yeah. think there's a lot that we read into it. But yeah, if we can read into a win, it, it, if it's a clean win, if they dominate, if they look good on both sides of the ball, you can take something from that. If they if they have to pull out a win, or if it's just a sloppy lot of penalties, turnovers, but they just they fight through it because they're just that much more talented, then you you could take something from it one way or the other. I think. Okay. Well, we will uh, we will certainly keep an eye on that. Borky, I know you've been playing the numbers game for a really long time. Feels like you deserve to say these numbers out loud today. Five days until week zero, ten until the first Thursday, twelve until our teams get kicked off uh, around here, seventeen until Chiefs Lions to kick off the NFL season on that Thursday night, and now our biggest number is twenty until the first. NFL Sunday. I don't even know if I care about those NFL numbers. I'm looking at five five days until we get football five this ten. Saturday. Ten games until we get, among others, Florida and Utah. 
and 12 days until we kick off that first full Saturday of the college football season. It is here. And we're just getting started with you on this Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Not only have we almost reached the start of the college football season, we are rolling into a busy, busy time of the year for Super Talk Mississippi. Tomorrow, you can join Middays with Gerard Gibbert at Mossy Oak in West Point for the upcoming Prairie Arts Festival. That is Labor Day weekend, and so we'll be getting you ready for that. On Thursday, Sports Talk Mississippi, that's us, guys. We'll be at uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College in Perkiston. That's coming up on Thursday. They'll be uh, kicking off Meet the Bulldogs Night. We will help with that. Plus, you are going to hear about some of the great things that are happening at MGCCC. That's Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Looking forward to uh, being there. And on Friday... High school football returns, and Super Talk Mississippi has you covered. You can catch a local game on just about every Super Talk Mississippi station. Plus, you can stream a ton of games and get up-to-the-minute uh, up scores from across the entire state by going to supertalk.fm slash high school or by clicking on sports on the Super Talk Mississippi app. And be sure to check out the scoreboard preview show that comes your ways at 6 o'clock on Fridays, immediately after us on Sports Talk Mississippi. And then back again, the Farm Bureau Insurance Company's scoreboard show. That's at 10 o'clock on Friday nights anywhere you listen or watch Super Talk Mississippi. It's not just the Week Zero games and the Week One games. It is high school football. There were jamborees all over the state of Mississippi this past Friday night, that warm-up week, and I use the term warm-up, heat up, fry up, you know, whatever. It was hot and is going to be hot for the, uh, what is it, the next week where it's just ridiculous. We've got another seven days of the hundreds, and then it looks like, knock on wood, the drop-off is coming shortly thereafter. I mean, a little. Like, high temperature today in Oxford is 96, tomorrow 97, Wednesday 99, Thursday, Friday 102, 101, Saturday it'll be a nice balmy 98, and it starts to cool a touch, 91 on Sunday, and then in the upper 80s for uh, for most of next week. Borky, you're in Jackson. My guess is it's all triple digits all week. Uh Tuesday, 99, so starting from Tuesday, 101, 102, 101, 102, 100, 97, 92, 87. There you go. That 87 is going to feel like 50. You're going to be like, uh, is that <laughs> I got a puffer I can borrow? Seriously. Man, I'm excited to do the high school thing as well. You know, we're talking up college football, but there's two high schools in my town. Now, other people would say that there's more, but in there's two that I'm choosing from. 
And they both have home games on Friday night. I'm taking the little guy, and I can't decide which one I want to go to. Do I go to the the one that that's going to be bigger and possibly more overwhelming, or do I go to the the smaller one, which will be a little bit more comfortable? That's the only decision I have to make this week. Bigger game, bigger school, or smaller school? What a choice. I mean, people know where you live, right? So, I mean, it's either Madison Central or, or MRI. Is that yeah. what you're choosing from? Yeah, that's what I'm choosing from. And so I, I think I'm going to go MC because he's going to go he's going to go to the public schools, so I might as well get him acclimated early. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I'm excited. I, I mean, I looked at both their schedules, realized that both had home games, and I, I used to live right behind MRA. So that's kind of... You know, oh well, I should go there. But again, the the public schools where where he's going to be going, and they're getting my money already anyway. So, might as well go support the Jags. I like it. Uh, it's a big stadium. It's there for a lacrosse deal back in the spring. It is a big football stadium. Hey, Dad, you fed a bunch of people yesterday. You, you told us all about it on Food Friday. Even on an off day, you were kind enough to spend. Uh, a few minutes with us on Friday afternoon. How did it go? And I asked that, having seen the pictures that looked um, yummy. Oh, uh, it went really well. My, my sous chef that I had bring in, I was bringing in. Uh, she had to cancel me. Her her daughter ended up having COVID, so she is a uh, she was out. So I had so my wife stepped in admirably. Gave me a lot of help, uh, and I did it. I got everything done. It was fun. We had a good time. We enjoyed it. You know, that's our last, you know, this Saturday is kind of a free Saturday, but we'll all be watching football. And then, you know, next week the uh, the, the season begins for the media, you know, as well as the teams. So uh, fun way to end our, in our summer and uh, uh, had a good time. Food was very, very cool. Good. Very, very cool. What was the uh, the most enjoyed item on the menu? Uh, it's either the, the bacon wrap poppers or the... Uh, the the little flatbread I did with the tri tip, which came out really good. I bought too much tri tip though. I have a fully cooked whole tri tip sitting in my fridge right now that I'll I'll be dining on the rest of the week. I was gonna say, what are you having for dinner tonight when you get home? <laughs> I'm having tri tip. Just uh, just going out on a limb there. So there's um, there's some college football news today. Uh, in fact, a, a fair amount of college football news from over the uh, the course of the weekend. Um, you remember when we all thought that. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan was getting a four-game suspension, but then all of the involved parties couldn't come to an agreement on that, and so they gave us the, well, it's they're going to have to keep working toward a resolution. And so we thought we had Jim Harbaugh go from not coaching the first four games to coaching the first four games, and now we're back to not coaching the first three games. Michigan has self-imposed a three-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh to begin the season, stemming from alleged violations uh, with the uh, the NCAA during uh, COVID-19. So here's what Michigan said. Their athletics director, Ward Manuel, in a statement said, while the ongoing NCAA matter continues through the NCAA process, today's announcement is our way of addressing mistakes that our department has agreed to in an attempt to, to further that process. We will continue to support Coach Harbaugh, his staff, and our outstanding student-athletes. Per the NCAA's guidelines, we cannot comment further until the matter is resolved. Now, the NCAA can and will comment all that it wants to, as was the evidence 
last week, what, with uh, the we're not talking about a hamburger cookout reference. Right. Th- th- right. That there were real and serious violations. So Michigan's self-imposed suspension for Harbaugh is designed to soften the potential ruling from the NCAA, which likely won't come until 2024. He faces a level one violation for not cooperating with or misleading NCAA investigators about the alleged violations. This makes sense for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, right? Given the schedule that they have to start the year. East Carolina, who is beginning life without its all-time leading quarterback, Holton Aylers, and then UNLV in Week 2, and Bowling Green in Week 3. With or without Jim Harbaugh, Michigan is winning those three games. He gets to be a part of practice. He gets to be a part of preparing the game plan. He gets to be a part of all of that. He just can't coach on game day. And so if you're pretty sure that you don't need him in the first three games of the season, why not do that? Knowing that the NCAA is going to rule at some point, and if they hand down a suspension, if it's four games or if it's five games or six games, you won't have to take all of that next year you will have already knocked out some portion of that suspension, probably a significant portion of the suspension, to start this season when you feel pretty good about your chances to win the game. This feels smart to me by Michigan. It's 100% smart. If you can get ahead, do it. You know, Especially like you said, these games, you, me, Borky, our wives, they could probably all coach these games, and, and Michigan would win all three of them without a whole lot of sweat. So get it over with, and then next year the NCAA comes back, and they, you know, they take they 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 don't they don't have to suspend them next year. Do you know why this is really, really a big deal? If Michigan expects that Jim Harbaugh ultimately is going to be penalized four games, and they suspend him three games this year, and he then has to miss game one next year, no big deal. Fresno State. Do you know who game two is next year on Michigan's schedule, just off the top of your head? Oklahoma. Yeah. The Texas Longhorns in Ann Arbor. Oh, man, what a scene that's going to be. My goodness. Yeah. Kudos to both of them for scheduling that. I I was reading earlier, though, that um, this could be a sign of internal strife between Harbaugh and the leadership there because he wants to fight it. And wants to fight it and wants to fight it, doesn't want to be suspended, and the school essentially making him what was assigned to this person of, yeah, the whole retirement thing might not be too far-fetched. Where that's why he wanted to fight it. As he wants to fight because when the season's over, he's going to ride off into the sunset with his millions, and then it doesn't matter because they can suspend him for a season he's not coaching. What makes you think he wants to do that, though? I don't know. I'm not plugged in. Not to Michigan, anyway. Yeah. I'm not sure if I see him as a guy that's just going to walk away. Maybe he will. Maybe or go he's... back to the NFL. Yeah. We've been down that road before with him. We'll be back.
Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Special occasion to have a guest on the show on Monday. Usually that's not what we do on Mondays, but we are continuing our walk through the SEC one last time before we get to the start of the college football season. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Matt Cohen joins us. He writes at AL.com, covers the Auburn Tigers, who are next up on the list, and Matt, thanks uh, for a few minutes of your time this afternoon. We appreciate uh, you joining us. Auburn over the weekend announces that there is a starting quarterback. Uh, Hugh Freeze going with uh, with Peyton Thorne as the uh, starter. What does that mean for this team in your mind? Yeah, well, first guys, thank you for having me on the show. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to be to be to be talking to you guys. Um, I think Peyton Thorne is a super interesting candidate as Auburn's first quarterback. Um, and I say that for two reasons. First, so before coming to Auburn, I was an undergrad at a, at a, at a Indiana. So I've gotten to see Peyton Thorne pro- probably more than, than anyone needs to see Peyton Thorne. And I, <laughs> you know, I left Indiana thinking that, you know, he was a totally fine quarterback. And when I first was getting his Auburn job and saw he transferred to Auburn, um, I was a little bit interested to see kind of how he'd fit into the SEC as someone who was, you know, a generally successful Big Ten quarterback, especially when he had a future NFL running back in Kenneth Walker behind him at Michigan State. Um, and he got to Auburn. He was both, you know, he was the favorite the whole time to win this job. Uh, Robbie Ashford, obviously, was, was the incumbent starter at Auburn, but he his, his, his accuracy wasn't reliable enough, um, and he just wasn't the same leader that, that Peyton Thorne proved to be, even in a much shorter time. Um, at Auburn. So my takeaway from the decision to end, end up going with Peyton Thorne is that Auburn thinks he's the safest choice. I, I don't think anyone at, at Auburn would tell you Peyton Thorne is the most talented quarterback in that room. Many people will say that Holden Gurner, who will pro- who's a, a sophomore, will probably be the third string quarterback, is the best thrower and Robbie Ashford's the best athlete, but neither have the same experience or decision making or leadership that Peyton Thorne proved to have and I think that's ultimately why Hugh Freeze, um, on a team that has so much new, decided to go with someone that, even if his experience isn't in the SEC, someone that he can at least count on to, to be safe and, and, and get the job done. The question, though, is can Payne Thorne get back to what he was in 2021 when he was a very good Big Ten quarterback, led Michigan State to a New Year's Six Bowl win, or does he look more like 2022 when Kenneth Walker was gone, a lot of other NFL talent left? struggled. Auburn opens the season with UMass uh, a week from Saturday. They go to Cal in week two, then it's Samford. So yeah, we'll see how the Cal game goes. That certainly is a long road trip. But the, the first time that we really, really get to measure what Auburn is and who they are under Hugh Freeze will be in week four when they go on the road to, to College Station to face Texas a- A&M. There is a veteran running back that is returning who had a Interesting offseason in Jarquez Hunter. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> Hugh Freeze has been 
very reticent to say anything about Jarquez Hunter other than that's an internal matter that we're handling internally. Do you expect to see Jarquez Hunter on this team? Do you expect to see him in week one? Do you expect to see him in that week four game against Texas A&M? What, what are we thinking there? Yeah, so what, what I can tell you on the field is Jarquez Hunter is, is, is practicing. He's been, he, he missed the first couple practices with, with Auburn. Auburn never said why. Um, I think everyone can put two and two together on why, but, but Auburn's never said it themselves. Um, he, he has practiced uh, for the last, gosh, roughly, I think, week and a half, maybe two weeks now. Okay. I, I see no reason to expect he's not going to play. Okay. That said, I also am curious what Auburn is ever, if ever, going to say anything from what a disciplinary standpoint looked like. If he was suspended, and, and we don't know if he was, the, the most, again, it's pretty easy to put two and two together, but the most Auburn was ever able to confirm was that multiple players were suspended and, and didn't state who that was. Um, again, it was, it was, you can make your guesses, but there was nothing you could really on the record state. I was just going to say, nothing says discipline and punishment like suspending a guy for the first two or three practices of camp. Is that a right. suspension? Is that a discipline or is that a reward? It's, an inter- it's a super interesting question because it kind of seems like a slap on the wrist, if anything. And it's hard to say, you know, what was or what isn't true. There's a lot of rumors, obviously. Um, but it definitely does not strike me as anything that was the sort of it, a sort of significant punishment. Um, if anything, it kind of strikes me as Auburn just had to say it had some punishment, so it wasn't kind of a, the lightest thing possible. But that's my opinion. I don't. I don't know if that's exactly what happened or not. That's fair. That is uh, that is fair. It is year one for uh, Hugh Freeze. It's going to be interesting to see what this <laughs> offense looks like. He uh, he brings in. A, uh, a veteran head coach in Philip Montgomery who is going to call the offense. Uh, Hugh Freeze, I, I, I'm curious, and I don't know how much you've gone back and looked at what he did at Ole Miss and, and what he did at Liberty, but does it feel yeah. like there is a different leadership structure uh, for him? I, I was I was kind of struck by his comments over the weekend about him kind of have, having to be the, the practice jerk to, uh, to kind of get people in the direction of where he wants to go. Is he letting his coordinators kind of do their thing and taking on more of a CEO role? Yeah, so I think the especially from a from from a defensive perspective, I think Hugh Freeze is going to just let let the defense be. Ron Roberts came uh, comes from Baylor, which you know it's the Big Twelve, but had what would seem like a good defense in a conference that's not particularly known for defense. Um, and so, so he comes over. I think he's kind of in, in his own world. Hugh Freeze has said that he wants Philip Montgomery to be the play caller. He'll be the offensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's also kind of keeping Montgomery on a bit of a short leash as a play caller. Uh, Freeze has said he kind of reserves the right to step in and call plays. But but it, it will be Montgomery first calling the plays. So I think he does have some autonomy in that standpoint. Um the practice jerk comment was super interesting. Actually, something I've been working on kind of trying to figure out how to write about. And I think the main reason why he's had to come to that is, and I hate to use like the cliche of a culture change, but you're, you're coming off of a coach who, and, and Brian Harson, who, and, and I was not here for Harson, but from what I've been told, 
just did not have any leadership and, and was so like, just wanted to be in his office watching film all day. Didn't want to actually coach football. Um, and again, that's, that, that's what I heard. I was not here for that, but it, it, it seems like he just wasn't, you know, able to make any culture at Auburn. So, so, so freeze has tried to kind of take what was the leftovers from Harson and, and try to, you know, instill what he wants as a, as a coach who, you know, obviously did not have the most ceremonious exit of all time, but was generally successful in his time in the SEC and also was able to succeed on the field, um, specifically on the field at Liberty. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where that comes from, trying to get, you know, a, a culture that didn't previously exist at Auburn. Is being a jerk the best way to get that? I, I, think, I think he's trying to find that out too, um, and, and we'll see the dividends of that. Uh, pretty quickly, especially when you mentioned with that Cal game, um, h- how everyone handles that kind of a road trip so early on. Hey, Matt, last thing. We've got one minute left. In your mind, yeah. what is the most important or the or the best position group for this Auburn team going into the year? So I think that's two different answers. So the, the best position group, I would say, is a secondary. Um, and I say that's because it's the most, it's the most veteran group. There, there's probably NFL talent back there and guys like Nehemiah Pritchett, BJ James. Um, the most important group, though, is the offensive line. And, and that's because they have so many new faces on that group. They're potentially going to have four new starters on the offensive line this year. Um, and, and if that happens, it's because the offensive line terrible last season. Um, and, and if the offensive line can be, you know, as decent or even as good as some of the, the coaches and players seem to indicate, then Auburn has a real shot to be productive on offense. If it's not an improved offensive line, then then, then this is going to be another long year, even with Hugh Freeze and not Brian Harson as the coach. Matt, really appreciate your time. Great insight, and uh, look forward to catching up with you down the line. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. That's Matt Cohen, covers the Auburn Tigers at AL.com. He joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll talk a little bit more about the Auburn Tigers to wrap up the first hour of the show when we come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. September 2nd, they go to Cal on September 9th, and then host Samford before visiting College Station and taking on Georgia. Five games into the year, I mean, the expectation is that Auburn will be, what, three and two after five games? Yeah. yeah. We're giving them the win at Cal? Yeah, I think so. I would. So, so, So... Likely three and two before they go into the open date and they head to LSU, host Ole Miss and Mississippi State in back to back weeks to close out October. 
and then embark on a November that includes road trips to Vanderbilt and Arkansas in back-to-back weeks before hosting New Mexico State and hosting Alabama to close out the regular season. So that's the, the slate for Auburn. What did you guys think of um, the Jarquez Hunter interaction? Just to, did, like he was suspended for a couple of practices. If he doesn't miss games, that hmm. look. If you have no idea what we're talking about with Jarquez Hunter, I'm not taking you down that road any farther. It, I guess it's hard Google to describe. Is, I guess Google is your friend, but I wouldn't encourage it. No, do not at work. Do not do it at work. Do not do it around your children and know that what you could potentially stumble up on is fairly X-rated. Yeah. And I think that's, we should go no farther than that. That's that's about right. Yeah. yeah. The 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 practice jerk comment in his press conference, I I, I watched that actually because I was curious as to you know what his tone was like or anything and if he was joking, like, oh, I'm the jerk now, whereas Liberty, I was the nice guy, but here I'm going to be a little tougher. No, he seemed frustrated with effort at practice, basically, is what it was coming down to. And, you know, I thought about what losing can do to a football team and how quickly you can become complacent. It's like in life, right? A few weeks ago when my HVAC went out and I had to drop a few grand to get that fixed, and just when you, when you stack bad days on top of each other, it's a little bit harder to get out of bed and go to work every day. But when good things are happening, when you hit all the green lights and the, the coffee tastes better and you got a bonus and all the, all these good things are happening to you, it's, easy, it, it's easier to conduct your business. And so Auburn, in just a couple of short years, got to a point where their football coach is like, I have to act out of character to get them to try hard. It, it shows you how quickly they fell under his predecessor. And it probably started even before Harson, but how quickly that locker room fell out of place where their new coach is like, I'm having to act out of my character to get them to practice hard. Let's you judge for yourself. This was uh, Hugh Freeze on Saturday, I think. I think that's when this uh, this press conference happened. Here's Hugh Freeze. I think that I've kind of found out this team and this staff right now, I think every DNA of every team I've coached is a little different and every staff is different. And um, I'm truthfully, the last four years, I haven't had to be the, the um, how should I say it, the, the practice jerk. Um, but I've kind of found out that I need, that's buffering. Jeez. To be that here and and call him. So he says, I've found out that I need to be that here. That he's got to be a jerk to get guys' attention, to get them to do what he wants to do, how he wants it done, and to try it. It's like. It feels like when a new coach rolls into a situation, you've either got a team that is hungry for something new and they are willing to do whatever it takes to get to a different place than where they have been, or you inherit a team that has bad habits and bad attitudes and bad culture, and it just takes a while. And 
you have to drag them kicking and screaming. And I know those aren't Hugh Freeze's exact words, but it kind of sounds like that's what he's getting at. Yeah. I mean, that's not surprising either to me. It just isn't. that you, know, you couldn't have looked at Auburn last year and thought they were in a good place, and so they bring in Freeze. And, and Freeze not really the guy I would think to build the strong foundation of discipline. Not, not, not the first uh, name on my list for that, but kudos to him for being smart enough to realize, hey, I need to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in some ways, that's kind of how it began to – get away from him at Ole Miss. There were there were different standards for different players. And there's some that argue you have to treat everybody the same, and there's some that would say, no, no, you you treat different players differently. But if you're going to treat different players differently, there's still got to be respect among the players. And that kind of went out the door. Can Can he manage it differently at Auburn? We'll see. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour. Winners and losers when we come back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you on this Monday, the 21st of August, alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can uh, learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com, or you can just go to the website for uh, for the golf, dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book your tee time or plan your trip today to 18 whole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, DancingRabbitGolf.com. You can be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. Ceasefire, customer-inspired. Let's uh, let's get to some winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? You had the Women's World Cup final. You had some preseason football. You had some golf at both the professional and amateur levels and uh, and other stuff. So, Mr. Haydad, who is your winner? You know, from what the description you gave, you know, what did I like from the weekend, what did I not like? I did not like that there was no college football. But I did like that there will be college football next weekend, that this was the last uh, weekend without it. The Saints are my winner. They're two and zero in the pre in the preseason. They go out to San Diego, and despite not playing most of their starters, they still get the win. 
Uh, you know, I think that an undefeated preseason will be a nice uh, segue into an undefeated regular season and uh, another Super Bowl championship. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm very pleased with the Saints this preseason. Uh, they they look like the best team in that division. Uh, they look like they're going to be a, a contender this year, and that that's exciting for me. Michael Borky, do you have a winner? I do. So uh, think major. Football game, college, NFL, whatever. I'm going to give you a list of items, and you tell me what you think the total price for these items at the football game would be. Popcorn, soda, popcorn plus soda plus pretzel, slice of pizza, nachos and cheese, hot dog, chicken fingers, and french fries. What do you think the total cost of that spread would be? Hold on. Run run, run the items by on the menu for me one more time. Popcorn. Soda looks like a 20-ouncer, pretzel, slice of pizza, nachos and cheese, hot dog, and chicken fingers with french fries. $42. At most stadiums, that's an easy 100 bucks. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 bucks, right? The team stinks, but Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta... You can get all of those items for a total of $19.50. $2 for the hot dog, popcorn, and pretzel. 3 for the nachos. two fifty for the pizza. 6 for the chicken fingers and fries. And 2 for the soda for a total of $19.50. Again, the team stinks, but that is awesome. And that needs to be commonplace everywhere. And they found, since they opened the stadium, that they're making more in concessions because people are buying more because the prices are so low, short-term, you don't make as much money. Long-term, they're actually making more. I don't remember his name, so forgive me, but at SEC Media Days a few years ago, I think it was the first time that they had it in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. 2017. They had, they had the, the president of the Falcons or the president of their business operations or somebody like that who came in and, and did a, um, a presentation and it was promoting Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the SEC champion games coming there. And they just kind of laid out some facts and figures about it. And one of the things they talked about was fan-friendly pricing, that they were going to do that at the concession stands. They didn't want to kill fans. They wanted to give them the opportunity to be able to feed a family of four without breaking the bank through the concession stand while they were at an event. And... Subsequent studies have revealed that volume has gone up and revenue has remained consistent with what it was, if not being up, based on lower prices at the concession stands. That is something that Ole Miss adopted when they moved into the pavilion. They went with fan-friendly pricing at the concession stand. And I will tell you personal experience. I I can't speak for everybody, and I haven't seen a run of the numbers from, from Ole Miss, but... If our family goes to an Ole Miss basketball game, we spend more at the concession stand cumulatively than we would have previously because individual items are not ridiculously priced. And so I, it, you know, it's a whole lot easier to say yes to the kids when they want to grab a hot dog and a box of popcorn and something to drink, or they want, you know, a slice of pizza and some Skittles and a bottle of water. And it's like, oh, sure, yeah, it all costs less, where in the past you might have just bought less and spent the same amount of money. I probably spend more money at the concession stand now 
Um, but I am getting more bang for yeah. my buck. They have not, at least to the best of my knowledge, extended the fan-friendly pricing to the other athletics venues on campus. I, I don't think they do that at Swayze. I know they don't at Swayze. I know for a fact they don't at Swayze. <laughs> uh, don't think it's like that at Vaught Hemingway Stadium either. Um, but, yeah. So it's awesome. Congrats, Falcons fans. Seriously, and if you know, if you ever get to go to the SEC championship or see the soccer team play, which uh, you know might be more exciting than watching the the Falcons this year, um, yikes! But yeah, that needs to be commonplace. You need to give people one less excuse to stop going to games. You know what I mean? Just just take one less excuse, make the seats more comfortable, all that crap. But. When that is what you're charging in the games, you have one fewer. Well, you know, I could actually have a beer and 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 get a cheeseburger at home for half the price. Well, that excuse is gone. More likely to go to the games. It's really that simple. So the U.S. Amateur for golf, which is the biggest amateur golf tournament in the United States every year, was yesterday. And that is a grueling event. It starts... Like on Tuesday, with about, I don't know, 300, 350 players in the field, they have three days of stroke play, and they narrow it down to the top 64, and then they go through a match play event. And the final match is a 36-hole aggregate score event. It is a grind to win the U.S. Amateur. Um the coverage of that event, I was struck yesterday by the fact that um, I don't remember NBC putting that on television on Sunday afternoon in a prime slot with Dan Hicks there as the lead announcer, who's their lead golf announcer. But that's what they had yesterday. It was really good. Um, it was at Cherry Hills in Denver, which is a historic golf course, and Nick Dunlap won it. But it didn't go well early for him. He began the 123rd USAM by playing a wrong ball on the third hole, four-putting his fifth hole, and was five over through seven. And his caddy, Jeff Curl, took out his yardage book, and he wrote a little note to Dunlap. And it said, this can be an amazing story if you let go and let it happen. And uh, ultimately, that's what he did. Nick Dunlap wins the U.S. Amateur yesterday. He beat Parker Bell 3-2 and two, uh, in the semifinals. And uh, then he beat John Shipley in the, uh, in the final. Uh, John Shipley from Huntsville, who is the ninth-ranked player in the world. The, the crowds they had were really, really good for that. So, so that's Golf Winner Part 1. And Golf Winner Part 2, uh, yesterday was the second event of the FedEx Cup playoffs. You got the Tour Championship coming up at East Lake in Atlanta this weekend. Did you guys see Victor Hovland at all yesterday? Yeah. He shot a final round 61. He came in in 28 strokes. With a bogey on the card, on the on front. On the back. On the back. He shot 28 on his final nine. And his scorecard had eight threes and a four on it. 
in his last nine holes. The four was a birdie on a par five, by the way. It was an incredible performance for Victor Hovland to uh, come from behind and win the BMW uh, Championship at Olympia Fields right outside of Chicago. And that was another great scene. If, if you saw any of the highlights from that, the crowds that they had around 17 and particularly 18, I mean, they were packed in like sardines. Looked great on television and uh, sets up a really cool PGA Tour championship coming up uh, this week at, uh, at East Lake in Atlanta. We'll get to some losers, plus your winners and losers when we come back on Sports Talk Mississippi. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi rolling along on this Monday afternoon. We hit the winners. Any other winners that we need to get to, or are we good to move to losers? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, and not a lot of sports. Not a ton this weekend. Not a ton. Uh, how about losers? Not a ton of sports. <laughs> Feeling generous. Do you have a loser? Is there one that stands out for you? Uh, the Panthers' offensive line continues to be a disaster. I am shocked that that is what they have put in front of their expected franchise quarterback. Yeah, but it feels like they should have traded the number one pick for some picks and some some offensive linemen if they could have gotten them, and then just taken their chances. With Corral or you know a late round quarterback or a free agent or something, Jimmy G. I mean, I, I like Bryce Young. I think he's going to be a, a good pro quarterback. But is he a sure thing, can't miss guy? I don't. I don't know. Especially not with that offensive line in front of him. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. If, if you believe in intangibles, the answer is probably yes. If it's raw athletic ability, it's eh, we'll wait and see because he's not a big guy. But that doesn't disqualify him. It just makes it a little bit more difficult from a durability standpoint. That's the thing, though, Borky. All you had to do was open your eyes and see that that offensive line was a disaster a year ago. Yeah. Why is it going to be any different this year? But you can't pass up the chance to get a franchise quarterback. It's not not college where you know... Guys get better as freshmen and sophomores. And when you're in the NFL, you kind of are what you are. And if you're a great player when you get there, chances are you'll be a great player. If you're a good player, you'll be a good player. If you're poor, you're poor. That's what they have. And how about that $9 billion or whatever it was stadium there in Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium? I know hurricanes aren't commonplace out there, but that was barely a hurricane. It was kind of like a large rainstorm. But... Yeah, but the flooding that they have had has been not away or not around the stadium though. Disasters, areas away from it. But so so it's raining a lot, and this multi-billion-dollar stadium is leaking water through the roof like it's Tad Smith. You've got reporters standing on the field pregame, and there's water coming down from the ceiling of a brand new multi-billion-dollar stadium, and. 
because it's technically not enclosed. It is technically open air. What There was lightning earlier in the day, and the refs were telling both coaches, if a lightning strikes, we can't play because we're technically open air, and because of that, we have to follow the lightning rules like outdoor stadiums do. So there was an earthquake, there was lightning, and there was rain falling through the, the roof. Now, they ended up playing the game, and it went off without a hitch. But the fact that they were thinking of all of those things pregame in a multi-billion dollar stadium is so funny to me. Am I crazy, or didn't they have a lightning delay during the season last year? They did. They did. They absolutely did. Because they talked about how rare it was for there to be a thunderstorm in that part of Southern California, and yet there they were. So, um, yeah, it it is beautiful. Let's uh, here we go. Let's go to the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Your winners and losers. Jim and Grenada says loser. The New York Yankees last place in the American League East. They have lost eight straight games. Jim, I concur. Winner. <laughs> All the volunteers at the Little League World Series. Biggest winner is uh, the viewers. Our bigger winners, us the viewers. Biggest winner, the kids. God bless all those concerned. That's from J.D. in Eudora. Um, loser related to the Little League World Series. Jeremy in Columbia. Loser. Cuba's Little League baseball coach for apparently abandoning his team after a win on Saturday. Sounds like he took the opportunity to escape Cuba and hung his young team out to dry. That is from Jeremy in Columbia. Yeah. It feels like there's more to this story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, winner. This is from Lucas in Union. Andy Ogletree got his third win on the Asian Tour. He won by seven strokes and pretty much is sealed, winning the International Order of Merit and regular Order of Merit on the Asian Tour. That's fantastic. You remember Andy Ogletree had the... Uh, the great run at the U.S. Amateur a few years ago and then ran into some struggles with his golf game. He was one of the early names associated with Liv. But Borky, didn't he just play in one tournament? I think that, that's what it was. Uh, if, if, if it was more than one, it wasn't many and had very, very poor showings. So And so he's gone the international route. And is playing quite well, and so you get to uh, you got to be happy for him for that. Uh, loser Pete Alonso for throwing Wynn's first career hit into the stands. Yeah, um, apparently Pete Alonso has become a problem for the New York Mets, and there's questions about whether or not to trade him, try and get rid of him. Flip side of that winner, the Cardinals for rewarding the fan for giving them the ball back. So you had a Major League Baseball player that got their first career hit. Pete Alonso throws the ball into the stands like a big jerk. Cardinals get it back for him. They reward the fan, and the um, the rookie gets his first hit ball. So that's cool. Um, Trey and Saltillo, he says, winner, my son Sawyer. Last week he got to hit City Field, Fenway, and Yankee Stadium. That's that is cool. uh that is quite the trip to the Northeast. City Field are really cool. Never been to Fenway. 
Never been to Fenway. Jeff and McComb says, winner Victor Hovland maybe the best round I have ever seen. Victor Hovland, after the round yesterday, said it was the best round of his life. He said, considering the stakes and... Yeah, I wish he had said the money. <laughs> considering the fact that I was playing for $3.5 million and 2,000 FedEx Cup points, uh, it was really good. It was really, really good. Uh, winner, Ole Miss Recruiting. We will get into that for the college football fix to start the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, Dad, I was I was struck by a conversation that you and I had at Palmer Home with uh, one of the children that lives there about Lake Cormorant star Marion Franklin. He told us it was Miami. Mm-hmm. Was that off the air or was that on the air? I can't remember. I don't remember. But I think it was on the air, but I don't recall. There were a lot of people that thought Miami was where it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Miami and Auburn and Tennessee and Ole Miss, and it looked like Auburn was the leader. And then he gave uh, he gave Hugh Freeze the old whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Auburn has never not been the leader for every player that they've ever recruited ever until that player signs with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, another golf-related winner, Wilson Fur finished all-time best in his career third in New Jersey this past weekend at the Corn Ferry event. Mississippi boy, that's from Jamie in Jackson. Thanks, Jamie. Bobby and Bates will lose their Hugh Freeze. He really needs to learn to be quiet and just coach football. No reason for him to jump into the blindside conversation. Two things. He was asked. He was asked about it. And, yeah. and he was involved. Where I had the issue, I understand some of these, these writers and reporters have editors that, that make them do things. I, I get it. So either the reporter thinking that this was good on his own or his editor asking Lane Kiffin about it. Lane Kiffin has no connection to any of it at all. Like, hey, Lane, what's your take on the Michael Oward lawsuit with the Tui family? I don't know. I've met Mike once. Ask somebody else. Like, what, what what opinion do you think Lane Kiffin has on the Michael Ower family or not family lawsuit with the Tuies? I just found that so stupid. Like of all the people to ask that question, it's that guy. I'm not sure though that I don't know if I think that's a bad question to the sitting coach at Ole Miss. I like I com- I completely get what you're saying. Like he had nothing to do with it. But the kid played at Ole Miss, and the family is significant boosters at Ole Miss. He played at Ole Miss. What was his last year at Ole Miss? I don't know. It's been a minute. It, it was before. Oh, eight. I, I was in high school. Yeah, I mean, Lane Kiffin was the coach at Southern Cal at the time. That, I just I don't know what you expected to get, but you got exactly what you should have expected to get out of Lane. Yeah. Uh, let's see a couple more of these from the C Spire text line. Loser Chase Elliott for missing the playoffs and NASCAR for having back-to-back road courses. This year's schedule has been poo, says Adam in Baldwin. Loser, the U.S. women's soccer team. Quite literally. Loser, Chelsea. Waste of a billion dollars. Hey, Dad, what's that about? I mean, they lost. Oh. That happens. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this. 
Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. broken this afternoon and um i mean honestly it probably has very little effect on your college football viewing experience and this may not even be a name that you have ever heard but lee fitting is out at espn the timing of the decision is very very curious he has been with the network at 25 years he is Vice President of Production, he was over football at ESPN. Now, he used to be a college football bigwig. He was a longtime producer of College Game Day as it exploded in popularity. And then he moved on to the management side of things, and he was over college football. And then they had moved him again, and he was over all of football. So he was the boss of ESPN's NFL coverage, its college football coverage, its high school football coverage, everything. And Norby Williamson sent out an internal memo this afternoon that simply said that leaf fitting was no longer with the company. And the reason the timing is curious is it's hard to imagine leaf fitting stepping down five days before ESPN's coverage of college football begins. And it's really hard to wrap your mind around ESPN firing him for something innocuous five days before the college football season begins and two weeks before the NFL season begins. I don't know what this means or where it's going or whatever. We'll get more from the story or not, but that news is out there today if you're like a media consumption junkie. So did you know him? I'd met him. Like- I only kind of knew him as the uh, the guy who tweeted where College Game Day was going to be the next week. Yeah, but that's that's what I knew Lee Fitting as. <laughs> yeah. that, that well, and probably there are a lot of people that knew him as that. So yeah, that was yeah. that was him. When we were going through the yeah, week, I didn't realize zero- what a go ahead, go ahead. Oh, when we were going through the week zero games earlier, I was reminded at how much of a disaster the Pac-12 is. You know, wash, rinse, repeat. There's always new examples. But on ESPN primetime this weekend, UMass and New Mexico State, the number six team in college football with the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback is on a network that you cannot find. You don't get it. None of you get it. None of you listening get it. You you can't watch Caleb Williams play unless you do the uh, illegal streams, which in that case I'll tell you how to find them. But – that's it. Yeah. Now, a friend of mine will tell you how to find them. Allegedly, uh, a long time ago, I got it uh, when I had UVerse for my as my television provider. Pac-12 Networks was there. I don't think I've had it since, uh, or at least I haven't looked for it in a long time. I've got YouTube TV. I don't have it, right? Okay, don't, don't think so. It. Hey, so I, I missed do, this yeah. text on the uh, during the winners and losers. 
Thomas Dillard is still leading the Atlantic League with 33 home runs. So former Ole Miss outfielder Thomas Dillard. I mean, they they responded with, is, is winners and losers, or losers over? Why does Thomas Dillard not at least get a mention? Yeah, just missed your text. Sorry. So thanks for the uh, the rider. It, it um, is. He has a birthday next Monday as well. I know saying this in the position that, that I'm sitting in will, will probably make you roll your eyes, but it is really hard to keep up with every single former baseball player that played college baseball in this state and what they're doing in the minors. That that is a that is a tough ask. Well, and I think he was the reason was didn't mention it is because we didn't mention the text that he sent in ah. that told us that he had 33. Just, we get a lot of text messages. I apologize, I missed it. So there you go. Uh Shall we grab a team in the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days? A-N-A-N-A-S this day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown! All right, uh, we've got 12 days until the start of the new year, but we've got to go back a couple of days and play catch-up team number... What are we doing, Borky? 14? 14. Team number 14. You recognize this one? Kentucky Wildcats. C-A-T-S. Cats, cats, cats. Mark Stoops. I feel like this story has been told a hundred times, but it always feels like it's worth repeating. Mark Stoops is going into his 11th year at the University of Kentucky, and after five years, six years, Kentucky fans... (laughs) Wanted Mark Stoops gone. But Mitch Barnhart, the athletics director at the University of Kentucky, decided to do what doesn't happen just a whole heck of a lot in college athletics anymore, and that was be patient. In 2013, year one for Mark Stoops, Kentucky went 2-10. and ten. It was 5-7, and 5-7, 7-6, and 7-6, and Kentucky fans were fed up mediocre, that's all this team is. And Mitch Barnhart said, no, no. We're going to continue to give time. We're going to continue to support this football program. And all Kentucky did in 2018 was go 10-3. and And then they won eight games in 2019. They went 5-5 and in the regular season, the COVID year, and lost their bowl game. Actually, they didn't. They went four and six, and then won their bowl game and finished five and six. And then 2021 was another 10-win season, and people were really excited going into last year. Kentucky was highly thought of, ranked in the preseason, climbed way up into the polls, and then kind of flopped. They went seven and six last year. So what will Kentucky be this year? Good, because of Liam Cohen. Liam Cohen returned. So two years ago, 2021, he was the offensive coordinator. He left to go to the NFL. A return to the NFL, I guess. He left Kentucky to go back to the NFL. 
and Rick Scangarello, 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 I think, was also an NFL guy. And they brought him in and they said, no worries, continuity, we're going to be good, got another NFL guy. It did not work. They were not a good offense a year ago. Partly because of quarterback play. In fairness, Will Levis spent a lot of the year injured. And, and their offensive line was terrible. Their offensive line was bad, and the offensive line had been the strength of that program for the previous handful of years. <laughs> you remember John Schlarma was the offensive line coach at Kentucky. He died of cancer a couple of years ago during the season, and they lost a little bit of that identity. And they lost some dudes on the offensive line from 2021 also. Yeah. But Liam Cohen is now back at Kentucky. So they got the NFL mind that worked well for them two years ago. And they went out and they got Devin Leary to be their quarterback. And they've got Ray Davis Jr. as a running back. Ray Davis, who played last year at? Vanderbilt. 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 quite good. They're good at receiver. They're pretty good at wide receiver. Levis couldn't get him the ball last year. I mean, yeah, you look around the SEC and there are so many questions at coordinator, right? You, even with Alabama, you, you wonder, is that going to work? Same thing with Georgia. I don't know if, if that's going to work. He's been around the block. It doesn't look very good. Arkansas and on and on. And you look at Kentucky and it's like they brought back a guy that that worked. There, there's no doubt about the ability or, or past experiences might be the most underrated hire of the offseason in the SEC, in part because of where it is. Kentucky doesn't get the headlines, but you look around it, around it all, the coordinator turnover, and nobody's talking about that one, and they should be. I, I agree with you. And Varian Brown is back. The speedster that is involved with the return game as a receiver, and Dane Key is back. Those two guys combined for uh, for 10 touchdown receptions a year ago. Uh, they returned 10 starters or guys that started on the offensive side. They returned five starters on defense, and here's the schedule for Kentucky. Ball State start the year. Eastern Kentucky in week two. Akron in week three. At Vanderbilt in week four. Florida at home in week five. Very real possibility of a 5-0 and start. At Georgia week six. All right, we're staying, no. we're staying put at five. I have not raised the finger on that one if you're watching it, Super Talk TV. Missouri at home on October 14th. Hey, Dad thinks that's six. Open date. They host Tennessee, still sitting on six. They go to Mississippi State, he says, still sitting on six. Bama at home, still six. At South Carolina, at Louisville. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi, 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
Some really interesting comments from Ohio State head coach Ryan Day. There aren't that many quarterback competitions that are still going out there. We got the official announcement from Georgia that Carson Beck will be the starter for the Georgia Bulldogs, which means we don't know who the starter is for Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide. And Lane Kiffin has not told us who the starter will be for Ole Miss. Though, as I have been telling you for quite literally months, it's going to be Jackson Dart, and I would be absolutely shocked at any other result. We'll see. Maybe I'm shocked. So most everybody's figured out who their quarterback's going to be. Ohio State has not. C.J. Stroud a year ago, who was the number two pick in the NFL draft, the competition has been between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Ryan Day said this, it's college football. Every year has a different story. Every year has a different challenge. I know in my heart that this thing will work itself out. I'm proud of the way the guys are competing. If I felt any other way, I'd say it. But now they're going to have to go, keep pushing through, competing, and if it goes into the season, it goes into the season. He says that his staff is split right down the middle on the quarterbacks, but he doesn't see that as a problem. He says that either of the quarterbacks could run the offense, and then he compared it to a horse race. He said, there was a point twice in camp where I thought one was pulling away from the other. Then two practices went by, and the other one really played well, and the other one kind of leveled off. And I would let them know, too, right then and there. I'd say, you were pulling away, and he just kind of took over a little bit. One thing's for sure is they can't take a down off. They can't take a playoff. Brian Day said, if all things are equal, you probably go with the guy who's been in the program longer, at least for the first snap. And he said it could very well go into the season. They play Indiana. In week one. On the road. On the road. Indiana, who has also been dealing with a quarterback competition with no winner. They've got until week four to figure it out. That's when they play Notre Dame. In South Bend. So you've got Indiana, which I know it's a conference game, but it's Ohio State. Come on. Youngstown State and Western Kentucky to figure it out. If you're still doing this charade by week four, you're in trouble. Uh, unless they're both really, really good and they figure out a system where they play both of them. That often I mean, Lou works. Holt, Lou Holtz just entered the chat and, you know, <laughs> if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one, blah, blah, blah. It's just fascinating to me. It is. And, I mean, it, it probably says to you that he's got two really good quarterbacks. And I think it also says, or also... I mean, this is the part that isn't said out loud, but if you're reading between the lines, Ryan Day knows this is an important decision, a really important decision, because odds are the one that doesn't win this job, that is not named the starter, is leaving Ohio State. And he has seen a quarterback leave Ohio State and go on to lead a team to a national championship. See Burrow, Joe. Now, does that mean that he should have made Joe Burrow the starter at Ohio State? No. No. But it does speak to the talent that exists on that roster and the way they're recruiting at every position on the roster. Yeah. 
especially the most important position on the roster. It is interesting. I mean, that, and you mentioned Alabama before. I mean, these are two teams mm-hmm. that their fan bases and the college football world at large expects to compete in, for a playoff berth in a national championship, and they don't know who's going to play the most important position on the field. Georgia didn't just name Carson. He's been the guy the whole time. So that, that that's a little... Looping them in there would be unfair. I, I really, truly believe Alabama is not sold. And if you're not naming a starter by now, if you're doing all of this and you play in less than two weeks, there's some truth there. And both of these teams are supposed to win a championship. Ohio State's supposed to beat Michigan this year. Alabama fans, as per my mentions, are furious with an 11-win season last year. There's another Big Ten team that has named a starter at quarterback, Starkville native and former Ole Miss quarterback Luke Altmeyer is going to start the season for Illinois. He was a, uh, a top 120 player, according to ESPN, coming out of uh, high school in 2021, competing with John Paddock, a transfer from Ball State, and redshirt freshman Donovan Leary, Altmeyer was seen as the favorite to win the job, and he has done that. Brett Bielema said, I've been very impressed by not just Luke's play on the field, but how he's handled things to walk into this environment, to have a lot of people from the outside world think he's going to be that guy to stand in front of his team and give cadence as a quarterback to speak in the huddle, but also on the sideline locker room. That's a lot of quote. He's really done a nice job of balancing all that. Luke Altmeyer going to be the starter for the Illini. College Football Fix, when we come back, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday afternoon, the 21st of August. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. To find out more about everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge at um, Ceasefire. Dot com slash business. You can learn more about all they offer uh, for business IT. Coming up in 13 minutes, we will do something that we have told you is going to happen. Brian Haydad loves it when we follow through on plans that we make. He is a planner, and he likes to follow through on plans. So we threw it out there, and we told you that there was going to be an opportunity for you to win Apparel from Genteel. In the next segment, we will begin 10 days of trivia. We will be giving away a Genteel golf shirt each day for the next 10 days. 
leading up to the start of the college football season. So stay tuned for that. But right now, it's time for the College Football Fix. The College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Great time to get into a Ford. The summer sales event is going on. That means savings for you and the best financing offers available as well. Only at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. The recruiting news on Saturday for Ole Miss was big. Uh, Saturday Literally. was... Aha. Uh-huh. Piece six five two seventy. Yeah, it was literally big news. God, yeah, come on, yeah. man. Give yeah, me he's, something. He, he's a big guy. Um, Don't shake the your head. One, <laughs> the, the number one player in the state of Mississippi. Terrible. Uh, Kamarian Franklin, Cam Franklin, out of Lake Cormorant High School in DeSoto County, was announcing his commitment. Uh, he has been highly sought after. The... Alleged four finalists were Tennessee, Miami, Auburn, and Ole Miss. And if you followed kind of the reporting of this recruiting battle as early or late as, I don't know, a week ago, Auburn appeared to be in the lead. I had someone tell me that Hugh Freeze had made this personal, that it was what his... No. That, that, that his sole focus right now was getting five-star Mississippi defensive end Cam Franklin. And uh, Cam made his announcement on Saturday. And he unzipped his jacket to reveal an Auburn shirt. And then he gave Hugh Freeze and Auburn the old okey-doke and took off the Auburn shirt to reveal an Ole Miss shirt and said that he was staying in the SIP and all of those things. Truth of the matter is, this was a player that Ole Miss really, really needed to get. For a lot of reasons, right? Number one player in the state of Mississippi, position of need, Impact player, keeping an in-state player at home, winning a recruiting battle with multiple other programs in the SEC and outside the SEC, and getting a star high school player, not just a transfer to, for transfer portal guy. Almost going to continue to use the transfer portal. But it feels as if there has been a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a shift in recruiting philosophy. And Ole Miss has had some... Now, this is a commitment. It is not a signed national letter of intent. It is not a he is enrolled on campus. It is a commitment. And there is a lot of time between now and National Signing Day in December. But you would rather be in the position that Ole Miss is in than not right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the overwhelming – see, that, that's why you want commitments, right? It, and you're right. I mean, there's 35 stars, give or take, depending on your service, roughly 30. 
Um, five-star defensive linemen don't grow on trees. They are highly coveted. Everybody wants them, and uh, they're not going to stop, and Hugh Freeze is not going to stop recruiting him until the very end. I'm, uh, if you're an Auburn fan, you hope he didn't send the DM that he probably typed out after the little okey-doke that he did. But... Um, <laughs> Hey, Dan, what do you think was in that DM that he was thinking about sending? Mm. Just, uh, but anyway... I, the, I feared for his soul. The, the, the commitment essentially means nothing, because as you said, there's no signature on paper. But the overwhelming, the far overwhelming majority of commitments do stick. That's why you want them. You want commitments because the overwhelming majority of them, them do stick. It, it's still significant uh, if nothing else even though it's it's not over but um it, a lot of credit belongs to pete golding on this and all of their recruiting efforts uh, there is a they are going to sign a larger high school class than they have the last couple of years they already have more commitments in it uh, than they have the last couple of years and when you look at the defensive side you said it in the state of mississippi and on the defensive line Breaking news more to 11. You can't win football games without being good in the trenches, especially on defense. And they've got two four two four star defensive linemen committed, both from Mississippi, and now a five star defensive lineman committed from Mississippi. A lot of that can be attributed to how good the class is, but Pete Golding stepped in and made it a point to uh, build relationships in the state. And you're seeing, even though it's not finished yet, the fruits of that labor. We get a question on the ceasefire text line. Will he play defensive end or defensive tackle? I, I I have no idea. I mean, he's listed as a rush end. He's he's an edge rush player. He is big. At Borky said a second ago, six five two seventy. I, I have no idea how his body develops over the course of his senior year and where Ole Miss needs him and where he fits best and all of those things. I I, I have no idea. He's a defensive lineman though. Hey, Dad. To me, there's another reason that this is significant. And it's Mississippi State is the team that for a decade, decade and a half, has had the reputation of getting elite defensive linemen from the state of Mississippi on campus. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not saying that this represents a shift in that. I'm just saying that this is a stud defensive lineman that Ole Miss got this time as opposed to the other way around. I mean, Ole Miss has commitments right now from the top three defensive linemen in this state. Now, all of them four-star or better. And, uh, you know, with with Franklin and with Jeffrey Rush from Pascagoula, state not really in the game for either of those those two guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they just, just for whatever reason. It just happens. It just happens. There, there are guys that Ole Miss is not in the game for. And and but Cam Beavers is a guy they would like to, to flip if they can. They've continued to recruit him. I don't think that they're, they're going to be successful. It feels like he's pretty locked in with Ole Miss. But yeah, it is it is something when you know there's there's three Mississippi State defensive linemen sporting hundred million dollar contracts, but the top three all not not that Pete Golding hasn't put players into the NFL and put guys with big money out there as well. So he can certainly recruit to his resume, and uh, you know, and that's what he's doing right now. And it, um, we wouldn't be being transparent if not for – well, you got to mention collectives as well in this deal. Ole Miss's collective is, is very forward-facing and, and apparently this, very well-organized, and they spent the day raising a million bucks today, literally today. So 
that that's a factor in appealing to recruits now. It it is what it is, and when you're I organized mean, and forward facing, says he will be expensive wherever he ends up. No doubt. Uh, yeah. yeah th- th- this this is this is definitely a very nil forward recruitment. I mean, it's been public knowledge that Cam Franklin was going to be a guy who went where he got a good deal. That's why when our friend uh, talked to us at the Palmer home, Miami was you know at that time was offering the best deal. And it looked like Tennessee was going to offer. Then it looked like Auburn was going to offer. Ole Miss seems to have come up with the offer that makes the most sense for him, and he gets to stay in the state. And so he's going to, he's an Ole Miss rebel. But like you guys said, signing day is a long way away, and then things, you know, circumstances can change. We'll see if it happens. I don't think it will. I think Ole Miss will probably keep him locked up. But they're not going to, nobody's going to give up recruiting this kid that, that is recruiting him. Yeah. And there will be heartburn among Ole Miss fans. If he takes visits this year, I mean, if you get pictures of him at an Auburn game, at a Tennessee game, at a Miami game during the season, people are going to go crazy over that. But he'll also visit Oxford. And my guess is the people that are involved with this recruitment at Ole Miss will do whatever they can to make sure that he uh, sticks with that commitment. So we'll see. That's your college football fix. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. You've been asking for it, and we are going to give it to you. Genteel Apparel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. They've got the collegiate collection, which is the great-looking golf shirts and pullovers with team logos on them. And we're not talking big, gaudy team logos. We're talking about... um, the Ole Miss script, uh, the interlocking MS, or the M over S logo, not the interlocking MSU yet. They are working on that. I, I talked today, and they are working diligently with Mississippi State's marketing and licensing department to get access to all of those logos from Mississippi State. So whether you're looking for the script state logo or the M over S logo, they've got those on the Mississippi State stuff. With the Ole Miss stuff, it's the script Ole Miss or the interlocking UM. Got some Southern Miss gear that you can't see on the website, but they can uh, can do. Um, they can help you look your best this fall when you head to the stadium. Uh, regardless of where you're going, go in Genteel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Certain styles, 25% off with their end-of-season sale as well. But we want to give you a chance to win. And we're going to do that with 10 days of trivia. We are going to ask one trivia question each day for the next 10 shows leading up to the start of the college football season. And we are going to get you genteel apparel. You will be able to choose from an Ole Miss golf shirt, a Mississippi State golf shirt, a Southern Miss golf shirt, or a Super Talk Mississippi golf shirt, which if you're watching on Super Talk TV, Borky's got one on today. 
He's got the solid navy with the Super Talk microphone logo. I've got the uh, blue and white stripe one with the uh, same logo on it as well. So we're going to give you a chance to win. But you're going to have to put on your thinking cap. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to answer the trivia question on the ceasefire text line. 601-879-4395. The first correct answer that we receive on the ceasefire text line will be the winner for that day. If you are the winner, we will text you back. We will ask you for your preferred shirt size, what team or Super Talk logo you would like, and a mailing address. All of these are going to be mailed out at once. So after the final day of the contest, the first week of the football season, we will send this out to all 10 of our winners at the exact same time, and it will be shipped to the address that you give us. Hey Dad has put together five of the trivia questions. I am putting together five of the trivia questions. Our first trivia question is one of Brian Haydad's. And by the way, these are um, there, there's really no limit on where we can go. It can be an Ole Miss question, it can be a Mississippi State question, it can be an SEC question, it can be an NFL question, a Saints question. We're not putting any limits on ourselves, and we are letting you. Have a chance to win right now. So here is trivia question number one in 10 days of trivia presented by Gentile. What Southeastern Conference school has the top two career receptions leaders? The top two career receptions leaders in SEC history, career receptions, came from one school. What is the school and, and, hear the entire question, what is the school and who are the two players? Send that to us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-439. Hey, hey, stop, stop, stop just sending the school, okay? We need the school and the two players, and you will win a genteel polo of your choice. What's wrong, hey, Dad? It's what you get for try. It's what you get for trying to be first, people. Just wait for us to finish the question. Everybody's throwing in all. Got, got like twenty schools in. Nobody said a player's name yet. So you still have time to win. We'll keep an eye on the uh, C oh, yeah. text line for the winner. And once we get a winner, we will give you the answer as well. So. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. I, I'm going to ask it one more time because they're coming in just as there it fast is. Winner, 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 can. winner, 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 winner. We've got one. All right. The SEC school that has the top two receptions leaders all time, and who were the players? All right. We do not have a name on this, so we'll text you and get the name. Uh, it is a six six two number. Hey, Dad, the school is? Vanderbilt. That is correct. (laughs) It was your question, after all. And the two players are? Jordan Matthews and Earl Bennett. My favorite answer so far is who said Arkansas and then said Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy played at Alabama. I like the guy that said Matthews and Benefits. (laughs) Close enough. Autocorrect no, got him. No, actually not close enough. No. So here are your here are your top ten receptions leaders 
in their career in the SEC. Jordan Matthews at Vanderbilt number one, Earl Bennett at Vanderbilt number two, Devontae Smith at Alabama number three. By the way, Jordan Matthews had 262 career receptions. Earl Bennett had 236. Devontae Smith at Bama three, Brian Edwards at South Carolina four, Christian Kirk at Texas A&M tied for fourth with Brian Edwards, both had 234. Amari Cooper at Alabama had 228. Calvin Ridley, seventh on the list at Alabama. Craig Yeast from Kentucky had 208 in his career. And then Kenny McKinley at South Carolina is ninth. And Terrence Edwards from Georgia is tenth. Ole Miss's LaCron Treadwell is number 11 on the list. And Mississippi State's Fred Ross is number 13 on the list. So, you know what's funny about that list? It's all wide receivers, right? There's going to be a running back likely in the top 10 by the end of this season when Jaquavius Marks gets up there. Is he going to catch that many passes, though? Well, he only needs uh, nine to get ahead of Fred Ross. So he would be, you know, thir- he's all right. What number is he now? He's like 15th or 16th? Mm, hold on, let me go back to the list. Yeah, but so you thought you had it up. Uh, I did, I did. He'll, he'll uh, catch, I would imagine he'll catch 30 passes this year. Uh, 191, he's 19th on the list. So he'd be at 221. career receptions. So let's give him 30 catches. If he's at 221, where would he be? At number eight. He would bump wow. Craig Yeast, yeah. just behind Calvin Ridley. As a running back. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. He's trying to see what running back is highest on the list. He's already the he's already got the most catches for a running back in SEC history. Wow. Good stuff. Really good stuff there. All right, so we will uh, to our winner, we will send you a text message in uh, in just a moment. We need your name, your preferred school, and, we got it already. Uh, okay, we got it. There we go. Yeah. Congrats Congratulations, to Kevin. Kevin. Uh, we need your uh, your mailing address as well, Kevin. So Kevin wants the M over S Mississippi State logo golf shirt. Congrats, Kevin. You are a winner. Good stuff. You're Thanks love for listening. It. Yeah. Bubba, Bubba and Star will ask a good question. I don't think we said it, but you can only win one shirt. You, you can't, Kevin, you're out. Don't Don't worry about the rest of the week. You can't get ten shirts. You know what Kevin's yes. going to do? He's going to take his wife's phone and then answer the next one correctly, yeah. too. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. Just, I want to get it for my husband. <laughs> Robert was convinced that because he had the right answer, he was the winner, and he sent us all of his information. And, Robert, we appreciate that, uh, but you were not the first winner. So please keep playing. Please keep playing. He listening. also didn't have the correct answer. Oh, he didn't. He went with all-time receiving yards yeah. instead of uh, receptions. So, yeah, very good stuff, very good stuff. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. This is going to be fun. Um, we've uh, we got some good questions that are coming. Are we going to do 520 every day? Somebody asked us about that. 520 every day, except for Friday, because we'll have Food Friday. Yes. We will. Okay. We'll, we'll, every day, but uh, every day but Friday. Friday. We'll we'll update Friday on Friday. Let you know. 
Sounds good. Um, sorry, Borky. I was I just was pausing for a second because I, I was trying to decide where we wanted to uh, wanted to go next. Let's tee it up. We will uh, we will get to more with uh, you when we come back on Sports Talk Mississippi. We do have a couple more teams to get to yet. If we want to, if we want to truly catch up, we will with continue the countdown days to go and be current. We will continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days when we come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. The show is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to check out their website to keep up with all of the events that are happening in and around Oxford. Again, the website, visitoxfordms.com, and you can follow them on all of their social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at visitoxfordms.com. We uh, we continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. And we head to the Palouse. One of the forgotten four. Wazoo. Oh. The Washington State Cougars. It's been, a, uh, it's been a good program through the years. The all-time leading passer at Washington State is Luke Falk. Just uh, He was had 14,481 yards. Connor Halliday, number two. Alex Brink, number three all-time. And the guy that is the signal caller for Washington State can sling it around a little bit himself. Now, he's got to cut down on interceptions it's Cameron Ward. Cam Ward was the transfer from Incarnate Word, ended up at Washington State, completed 64% of his passes for a little over 3,200 yards with 23 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Washington State has become, Washington State along with Oregon State, those two have become sympathetic figures in the, the conference realignment Kind situation. of the darlings of the college football world right now. Everybody just feels bad for them. They didn't do anything wrong. They've tried to win. They've improved their facilities. They're they're doing Oregon State put 160 million into their stadium. Washington State keeps updating theirs. Like they are trying to win, and it's not like they don't do it. They don't win championships, but it's not like they're embarrassing programs either. Uh, Old Crimson. That's the uh, the flag that travels to every college game day, and it's uh, been going since 2003, made its debut 
at a show in Texas, has not missed one since. They ship the flag all over the country, and somebody volunteers to uh, have it there in the background. Last year, Washington State went uh, went 7-6. and six. They lost their bowl game to Fresno State in the Los Angeles Bowl. Jake Dickert is in his third season as the head coach. He did not immediately follow Mike Leach at Washington State, right? It was, it, isn't that correct? It was Nick Rolovich first. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got caught up in the COVID vaccination snafu, and uh, kind of stuck to his guns on that, and ultimately was fired. And that gave Jake Dickert the uh, the opportunity. Dickert was on staff there, right, and was elevated into the head I coaching be- role. I believe, I believe that's correct. Yes, I, I think that is correct. So Washington State in each of the last two years has gone seven and six. They played just four games in 2020. In 2019, they were six and seven. In 2018, they were 11 and two. Their two losses that year were to Southern Cal and to Washington State. And of course, that was Mike Leach's last year at uh, at Wazoo. Here's the schedule this year for the Cougs. They start out on the road at Colorado State. Then they play Wisconsin. They actually host Wisconsin in week two. That's a, a fun uh, game. That's a tough road trip for the Badgers. Yeah. So Wisconsin at home in week two, and then Northern Colorado in week three. Oregon State is the opponent in week four, and that is in Pullman before they have an open date. Then they'll play three of their next four on the road. At UCLA, home with Arizona, at Oregon, at Arizona State. They host Stanford, go to Cal host Colorado on a Friday night, and they finish the season on the road in the Apple Cup against the Washington Huskies. What do you think of when you think of Washington State? Mike Leach, honestly. Two different answers there. I think when I think because when I think of Mike Leach, the first thing I think of is is Texas Tech. Mm. Hey, Borky, you said Mike Leach. So yeah. Because, uh, you know, Ryan Leaf was a little before my time. And the the only successful Washington State I really remember is he and the Gardner Minshew run, especially with the the mustache that they put on him in the postgame. That, that's when I think Washington State, that's what I see. I would also have accepted Drew Bledsoe as an answer. Yeah. Yeah. And Drew Bledsoe... Yeah. Was he? Where was he picked? He's first. He was number one overall, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a, it, that's an interesting coincidence. He was the one from Washington State. The two pick was Rick Meyer, who was a bust. And then you fast forward, and you have Peyton Manning, who was the one, who was obviously a Hall of Famer. And then you have Ryan Lee from Washington State, and he was the bust. So yeah. the two pick, always the bust. Um. A lot of pieces going back on the offensive side. Seven starters. They get the uh, starting quarterback back. Top five rushers from a year ago are all back. But they've got to rebuild the receiver room because they lose the top four receivers from a year ago. So uh, they've got to kind of figure that piece of it out. Top five starters are back on, uh, on the defensive side. Last year, the wins for Washington State were against Idaho. They won at Wisconsin in week two. 
and they won against Colorado State. They lost a three-point game to Oregon, who was ranked number 15 at the time. Lost that one 44-41. They beat Cal, lost consecutively to USC, Oregon State, and Utah. It was a close loss to Utah. That was a four-point loss. Then they won three in a row against Stanford, Arizona State, and Washington, and then they lost in the Apple Cup to Washington. Uh, I'm sorry. They won against Stanford, Arizona State, and Arizona, and then lost to Washington in the Apple Cup. So they had a three-point loss and a four-point loss on a team that went uh, went seven and six. So it, it's not hard to uh, to turn them into a nine-win team from a year ago. Um, but they also had a close win at Wisconsin. That was a three-point win. And um, so, you know, you could give them another loss as well. So Washington State is team number 13? 13 on 13, the countdown. because today is 12. Is number 12. Mm-hmm. Are we going to try and squeeze that in in three minutes? Hit it. Hit uh, it. Do we, it. We can, do it. we can do the final segment. Okay. Uh, team number 12 on the countdown he's got, from he's like the a Big goldfish, 12. Borky. You going to play the fight song? I'm impressed if you recognize that and you are not a fan of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Ball club that went eight it's and Mike five. Leach day here on the show. Yeah, ball club went eight and five last year in year number one for Joey McGuire. It feels like things are on the up in Lubbock. They obviously closed last year out with a dominating win over Ole Miss in the Texas Bowl, 42-25. to They finished the regular season with three straight wins over Kansas, Iowa State on the road, and Oklahoma in overtime. They returned their starting quarterback, Tyler Shug, who last year, he was injured for part of the year. And, and so returned, played back in the bowl game, had 1,300 yards with seven touchdowns and four interceptions, but he looked really good in the bowl game. They return two of their top three leading rushers from a season ago. They return their top five receivers. So they have 11 starters back on the offensive side and six starters back on the defensive side. And the announcement came either on the day of the bowl game or the day before the bowl game last year that uh, Texas Tech had extended Joey McGuire's contract. They'd given him a big raise. And uh, they are really excited about what is happening there. Is Texas Tech a sleeper in the Big 12 this year? Kansas State uh, won the league last year. Oklahoma and Texas. Texas and Oklahoma picked to finish 1-2 in the league. TCU in terms of being able to win the league, okay. no. But I'm sorry. But at the same time, can they win? Could they be an 8-9 win team? Maybe. Maybe. Feels like that that conference is kind of wide open for me after Texas. I think Texas should win it. If they don't, that's a big black mark on Sarkeesian. But everybody else in that conference is yeah, there's some good teams there. They open at Wyoming. They host Oregon in Lubbock in week two. Big game there. Tarleton State in week three. Then they jump into Big Twelve play at West Virginia. Houston at home should be a chance for them to start two and zero in conference play. Big game on October 7th when they go to Baylor, and then they get Kansas State at home, and then they go to BYU. That That is an important three-game stretch for Texas Tech. At Baylor, K-State at home, at BYU. Then they get an open date. They'll play TCU on a Thursday night, November 2nd. 
Boy, is that a that's a Thursday night game we'll tune in for. Texas Tech, TCU in Lubbock on a Thursday night. They finish it off at Kansas, UCF at home, and then they go to Austin on Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, to play the Longhorns in the regular season finale. Could that, could that game potentially determine the Big 12 winner? Now, we get a lot of football between now and then. We'll wait and see. Texas Tech, team number 12 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. on the ceasefire text line that said uh, you guys should reward people that listen to the show all the time, not just those who had the fastest Google search. Um, I, I, I just, I'll read you my response because there may be others that think the exact same thing. Um, said, I like your idea of rewarding longtime listeners, but how do you suggest that we practically do that? We've got a big audience. Our stations cover all 82 counties in Mississippi, and our signals bleed into Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, and Louisiana. And we've got thousands of people that listen online and via the podcast. So rewarding longtime listeners while in practice sounds great is really hard to do. So he suggests that we um, – we ask questions about anecdotal stuff that we've talked about on the air. You know, honestly, that's a really good idea. Mm. There are some old stories that we could bring up. That's a good That's a good one. Like, what is Michael Borky's least favorite holiday? Clearly, the answer would be Christmas because he hates not carolers. It's not true. Yeah, like, I mean, clearly that would be the correct answer. Or at least that would be the answer that we would be looking for. I I still get reminded of a particular animal attack that I survived seven years ago. Yeah. What was the rodent that... What was that story, Borky? Rats on fire? Rats on fire. Hold on, this was this was long before you. We had a listener in Clarksdale. We were talking about getting rid of getting rid of moles in your yard. I think it was moles. Okay. Yeah. And and somebody suggested you know pumping like acetylene into the uh, into the mole tunnel and lighting it on fire, mm-hmm. and blowing it up. Forky, well, how did the story go? Was it? They were burning something, and a rat caught on fire and took off running into a wheat field and, like, burned the whole field or, or something then, like and that. And then the, they were – all of the rodents <laughs> ran out of the field, and they were on fire. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's great. My cat, Peppermint, got her first confirmed kill this weekend. 
Nice. I got a. Oh, careful, was, uh, careful, was, because somebody's going to email you and your boss Clint, no. asking for you to be terminated. I'll just, I'll just live with it because she got a snake. Nice. As long as it I wasn't was, a king. I was in my. I don't know what it was, but I like I just get I hear a scream and I hear Dad. There's a snake on the porch. I go out there. I look at the snake. It's not really moving. Cat's looking at it. She was out on the porch. I grab a broom. I give it a nudge. Didn't move. I was like, yeah, it's dead. So I just swept it outside. I was like, some hawk will come by or something and pick it up and take it with. And uh, so I was like, good job, Peppermint. Nice. Yeah, I told a story years ago of when. I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. Maverick, my Brittany Spaniel, who was literally bred to chase birds, caught a robin out of midair in my backyard. I mean, he did the stalking thing and then took off at it and boom, caught it out of midair. And I told the story, I was like, it was really cool to watch him do that, like the instincts kicking in, but also I was sad because the bite killed the bird. And I get an email, and Corner Office was copied on that email, demanding an apology, and even with an apology, I should never be allowed on the air again for telling such a morbid story. Uh I got called into the office, I was nervous, I don't know what I did, and we had a good laugh about it. I was right about the uh, my idea too because we walked. I walked outside a few hours later. Snake was gone. It's like, yep, somebody got him. Hmm. It was e- that was easy money for some bird. I love that we're getting trivia question suggestions. Um, Dwayne and Brandon says Richard doesn't like snakes. He kills them. Hey, that still does not have outside lights. Borky's James loves trains. I could go on and on. Dogs names. Yeah. Somebody asked about Richard and the dumpster fire. Somebody suggested Richard's honeymoon passport saga because we have certainly heard that story multiple times through the years. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we will take all of that. I, I told you earlier, all of the trivia options are on the table. So just, uh, just keep listening at 520. Uh, and we will have, uh, we will continue the 10 days of trivia and we will have more. Genteel shirts to give away. Thanks for being with us. You know what, hey, Dad? When we come back tomorrow, we will be one day closer. One day closer to the start of the college football season. Thanks for being with us on this Monday in the Pearl River Resort Studios. For Michael Borky and Brian Hey, Dad, I'm Richard Cross. Have a great night. a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.